You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and I've got my host, Curtis, here with me today. To finally take a way too early look at the 2022 Georgia football team. We've basked in the glow of this national title long enough. Or, I don't know, have we? Like, is there really an appropriate amount of time for for one to bask in the glow of a national title 40 years in the making? Personally, I for one say, no way, man. No way. I'm going to be living this up every single day until the 2022 season kicks off. I can promise you that. I guarantee you that. But as far as running a podcast goes, you can only run so many episodes looking back at what was admittedly, absolutely, the greatest season in your lifetime. But you can only do that for so long. At some point, you've got to look ahead to what will hopefully be another championship caliber run in 2022. And that point, my friends, is today. Now, this day was supposed to come a couple of weeks ago, but then the Stetson Bennett and Jermaine Burton and JT Daniels news hit, and then we were going to get to it the next week, and then the Brian McClendon stuff went public, and then it was signing day, so I had to push it back. I had to push it back a little bit, but the time is now to start looking ahead to the 2022 football season with a way too early season preview of next year's squad. Obviously, guys, you know this. Like We have an entire offseason, a very long offseason. This time, I'm not going to say dreary, though. It's it's For the first time in my life, it's not a long, dreary, interminable offseason. I want, I mean, I want the 22 season to get here because I love football and I want to watch Georgia football and college football. I mean, yeah, I want that to happen, but like, can this offseason just last a little bit longer? Can we just bask in that glow for a little bit longer? So, I don't know. It's, it's going to be a weird offseason. So far, it has been because I'm not used to this. I mean, we've won bowl games going to the offseason when you feel good. It's obviously better than coming off a loss, but we've never experienced, at least I've never experienced, what an offseason with a national title feels like. And I can tell you, as you guys well know, it feels really good. So, I'm okay with this offseason. It's not the worst thing in the world. But we do have quite a bit of time, that's the reality, quite a bit of time before the 2022 season gets here. So there's clearly going to be a lot of time to talk about all this stuff. This will be the first of many times that we will talk about the 22 season. And there's going to be things on this show that we mentioned briefly 
that we just touch on slightly and don't get to go into the depth that we normally would that we will absolutely dive deeper on later in the offseason because we have a lot of time. But we want to give you kind of a, a big picture. Look, we'll dive into some of the specifics and some of the, the specific position groups, absolutely. But we'll do that in greater detail as we move through the offseason. Today, we just want to kind of give you a primer, kind of get you in that football mode. I know it's like, it's weird, man. Like, Last weekend, I'm not a huge NFL guy, but it's football, so when college football's not on, I, I'm, I'm watching NFL because I love football. But this past weekend was the first weekend that we didn't have football on Saturday or Sunday, and I guess you can say we had the Pro Bowl, but I mean, I don't know about y'all, that is nothing for me. All-star games of any sort, whether it's NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL do absolutely nothing for me. So I don't even really count that. I was watching college basketball all weekend. But this was the first time that we didn't have football on a weekend in a long time since going back to like August with week zero. So it felt really weird and it's going to feel like that every weekend. I guess we'll get more and more used to it over the next couple of months. It hurts to even say that. But yeah, it's a couple of months, more than a couple of months but you guys know, if you've been with us for a while, which I know a lot of you have, we're going to give you your football fix each and every week during this long offseason. Not every episode is going to be football-centric. We'll talk some baseball. We'll talk some tennis. We'll talk some Georgia basketball maybe sooner than you think. I might have an episode coming up for you guys. I know people have been asking about that. Might have one coming up here in the next week or so. So there'll be some conversation about different sports. The offseason gives us a good time to highlight some of those sports that don't get as much attention and as much love as football that that I personally love and think should get more attention. So we'll do definitely do a lot of that, but we never get away from football here in the podcast. If you're new to the show, just trust me on that. We know that is where our bread is buttered. We know that is what the Georgia fan base is all about. We know what's number one. It's number one in my heart. It's number one in all your hearts. And we are never going to stray away from that. So you will have football content every single week, at least one episode a week. And there will be plenty of weeks where you have multiple episodes that are football centered, where it's just football talk. And obviously, as we get closer and closer to the 2022 season, we become more and more and more football centric to where we get to the summer. We're, we're focusing exclusively on college football. But today, we want to give you at least a little bit of football talk here in the early parts of the offseason. So, Curtis, let's go ahead, man. Let's get to this. We've been teasing it long enough. Let's do it. I'm not going to beat around the bush here. I'm going to come out guns blazing and get right to the heart of what we really want to know, Curtis, about this 2022 football season. You guys heard it as much as, as I did. We all heard it. That 1980 insult, which was... And maybe y'all could just brush it off more than I could. I, I never reacted to it, but deep down, I'm like seething with anger when people would throw that out there. But that 1980 insult, it has been obliterated. It is obsolete, finished, done. But we also don't want to wait so long for another one that 2021 eventually becomes the new 1980 at some point. So Curtis, let's start there, man. How realistic is it for the Georgia fan base, for you and me, for all our listeners out there, to expect the dogs to go out and defend their national title and go back to back. Because that's the expectation now. It has been for some time, really since year two of the Kirby Smart tenure. But now that we've won one, it is clearly 100% the expectation and it will be moving forward, I believe, year in and year out. So, Curtis, how reasonable is it for our fan base to expect another national title in 2022? I'm going to be honest. I don't. I think it's very unrealistic. I think the reason I go with that is just the deficiencies that we're going to have at the time. 
Where specifically are those deficiencies? What's going to hold us back? Well, the fact is our defense is not going to be as strong as it has been in the past, and they're not going to be able to carry us as much as we have gotten away with, you know, the last couple of years or so. Um, I mean, they're still going to be really good, but they're going to be really young. So we're, it's going to take a while to get going. And you think of someone like Alabama who is going to be – has a lot of offensive weapons coming back, and that's going to be – right now our offense was complementary last year. Well, this year we need to be more than that, and I'm just not sure we have the weapons to do that. And, and that's the crux of the issue. I figured that's where you would go with this. I mean, that is the crux of the issue heading into the 2022 season as we get closer and closer to that season. I know we're far away now because this is our way too early look at the 2022 campaign. But as we get closer and we get into SEC media days, that's going to be the conversation. Can Georgia's defense be as dominant? Can the offense pick up the slack? Can the offense compensate for, as you laid out, Curtis, what most expect to be a less dominant defense, obviously given all the key losses off of last year's historic unit. So, you don't see any way that this offense is going to be able to take another step forward and compensate for a defense that I, I agree with you. So going to be very good. We'll get to that later on here, but probably not as dominant as we were last season. So you don't see any, any universe out there where this Georgia offense can be more high power than it was in 2021. No. And it all starts with the quarterback play. Um, You know, Stetson played well to end the season. Yes. But the fact was, it was complimentary. Um, that's literally all how he is described and talked about with every single person is complimentary football. You know, he doesn't turn it over much and makes these things happen. But the fact is, he's not the one that's going to go out and put up the big numbers. Think back to the National Championship game. If our defense doesn't bow, bow our necks quite a bit, um, especially when Alabama was getting into the red zone and we kind of stopped them from making, letting things happen, um, we I don't know if we win, and the fact is that I don't. We're not going to have that defense this year. I mean, think back to Arkansas. Some of these big games we won, we could have won on our even Michigan. You go back and we could have won on the one possession, the very first touchdown. The fact is, we're not going to be able to do that. We're not going to be able to throw the ball under twenty times um, a game and win. And yet, and so not only on the quarterback play, but outside of Kenny McIntosh, do we have an explosive running back? It, we that's a v- very big unknown. Um, Kenny McIntosh, even himself, has been complimentary in the fact that he hasn't had to have many carries, many targets. So what is he going to do when you take out the carries and targets that James Cook and Samir White were doing? That's a big question mark. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, Kenny McIntosh, was, I guess, was a complimentary piece to, obviously, Zeus and, and James Cook. We know that Cook was certainly explosive. I don't think Zamir White was over-explosive running back. He never really showed that through his career. Did he have some big runs? Sure, here and there. But that really wasn't the name of his game. Cook obviously showed that, and, and that was really what he was brought in to do, and he delivered certainly the last couple of years when he became more of a future piece of the offense. I think Kenny McIntosh definitely has that explosive ability. Uh, Kendall Milton is more in the vein of Zamir White because I would argue, honestly, I love Zeus. I love the guy to death. I'm so excited that he was a part of our program. But is it outlandish to suggest that Kendall Milton could potentially be a more productive running back than Zamir White was, explosive or not? Oh, I think you could. I think you can easily make that argument. I mean, the last couple of years we've talked about, we think he may be a better back, but the fact is Kendall Milton himself has yet to finish a full season. In his first two years here, he has yet to stay healthy. And so the question marks to be around him is, can he be the guy and stay healthy the whole year? Because if not, then we don't really have right now on our roster a Zeus-type running back that's going to get you the tough yards outside Milton, who has has a history of injuries right now. Yeah, that's a very fair point, and that's something that he is going to have to answer. And I think, again, as we get closer and closer to the 2022 season, 
those questions will certainly come up more and more. I mean, God forbid. I mean, I'm not even going to put that out there in the universe. It's just, let's hope he stays healthy. And I'm not even saying big injuries, but it's those little nagging injuries. Yeah. And those are the ones that can keep you out. And you have to find a way to stay healthy and pr- stay away from the, even, you know, the sprained, sprained ligaments and the yeah. high ankle injuries and things like that that you, you have to fight off. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, the SEC, it's it's a physical league. I mean, all, football in general, obviously, we know it's a physical, physical sport. But the SEC, it's another level. We know that. We watch it week in and week out during the fall. And Kendall Milton does have to answer that question because you're right. He's missed significant chunks of each of his first two seasons. And I believe Kendall Milton could be an absolute stud for us at running back. I expect that. I, I fully do, with the caveat being the injury bug. Can he avoid that? So I think you're you're – not off base and point that out. That's something that he's going to have to answer, and and hopefully he can. But I still feel really really good as a one two punch. I mean, Curtis, I, I and maybe I'm just you know still basking in the glow of the national championship and everything's coming up roses for me. And I'm still looking at everything through my red and black colored glasses. That's certainly possible. I'll own that. But is again, is it outlandish to say that the combination of Kenny McIntosh and Kendall Milton could be a more lethal combination than Zamir White and James Cook that was last year? I'm not ready to say that because as good as McIntosh is, he's not James Cook out of the backfield. Um, he's not to his level. Even yeah, I think he can be. I, I I don't think he's had the opportunities. I absolutely think that he can be. I really do. I don't know. I don't as good as Kenny McIntosh is. I don't see him lining up on someone and beating them off the ball like James Cook can't could at the wide receiver. We've seen position. him. I mean, I okay, maybe not to the level of James Cook. I mean, that's well, and that's what I'm saying. He's not. Well, that's what I'm saying. He no, he is a good receiver. I'm not saying that, but I don't think he's James Cook level receiver out of the backfield. And the fact is, I don't know if they're going to be a better combo because until Mackin or even until Milton himself has shown it, I don't know if you did took all the good and the bad from those two guys and compared it to the other that they're head and shoulders above them or even really above them at all. But I mean, could you at least say they're in the conversation? Like it's it's possible that they could end up being as good as maybe not even slightly better than what we had last year at running back. Uh, I mean, anything's possible, it's but possible. if I'm. I don't think it's crazy. And look, I'm not saying I mean, it's, it's not, cra- no, it's not crazy. It's not crazy. But the fact is that we haven't showed, seen enough from both of them together to say that. I mean, there's other guys that we can look at and say, like, they have the potential to be this. But the difference is we need more than just potential. We need them to go out there and do it. What about the young guys we brought in and ran back? Branson Robinson, obviously highly rated running back out of Mississippi. We talked about Andrew Paul. We landed him late in the cycle. But I'm very excited about him. You, could those guys potentially factor into the equation of running back as well? I think they could. I mean, you're seeing guys start earlier and earlier being able to do things, but um, that's a position where tell. you see it happen more commonly than other positions. Yeah, Branson Robinson is more of like a Zeus coming into it. Um, the fact is, I don't know how he is out of the in the passing game. I don't know if he's really going to be. There's not much on tape of him actually being a receiving threat out of the backfield, but I do think he has better speed better long range speed than Zamir. Why I think he's flashed that. I mean, and you've seen Curtis. I mean, we've all seen him now. You've seen all the, 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 the me, I don't mean, I guess the clips on social media and the, the pictures of this guy, like, you know, just working out this guy. I mean, he's, I would say bigger than Nick Chubb was coming out of high school. I mean, this guy is a massive human being as a running back. Now, does that translate into him being an instant, instant impact type guy at the college level? I don't know. We'll see. The physicality will not be a problem. There's more to it than just that. I think he will play. How much he plays, how much impact he makes, that remains to be seen. It's really hard to predict those things. So I think he will certainly play. I think he'll get opportunities. I think he will make an impact for us. Andrew Paul's a wild card. I do think he has the ability. You mentioned explosives. So we have another explosive back. 
because we had two of them last year with James Cook and Kenny McIntosh. I think Andrew Paul could potentially be that, be that guy. Is he ready to do it right now? I don't know. I, I, I don't know, but I mean, I think he has the explosive potential. What about Dejan Edwards, Curtis? This is a guy that you know comes in in garbage duty, but when he comes in, he absolutely makes plays. And oftentimes, I mean, I know the game's usually in hand and it's over when he's coming in, but a lot of times those defenses going in still have their starters in there. Can Dejan Edwards potentially factor into the equation at running back this year? Um, he, I mean, he's a possible, um, but the fact is you talk about, it's all been in garbage time. How much of it has it been when it matters the most of the defenses chomping at the bits, um, to do these things. It's hard to say. I mean, you think back to all the history of like all these guys that are like legends when they come into the game because they perform in those circumstances. But the fact is if we were to ask them to do it and when it mattered most, I don't think many of them would have had performed. So like just the, what they had done at the time. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the right way to look at it. I mean, it's certainly a question you don't know because, again, it's been garbage time. It's been mop-up duty. That's basically the only time this guy's got a chance to play. But I will still say, to his credit, there are a lot of players that come in and mop-up time and garbage duty, and they don't make anything happen. This guy comes in and consistently, when he gets those opportunities, now it's not often, but when he gets those opportunities, he absolutely makes the most of them. He's made me somewhat of a believer. I thought he was going to be a guy that would well, never and, really and see And I want to be day. honest, I don't want to hate on him and say he's not good. And like you said, he comes in there, he tries hard, he gives it his all. Like he, he doesn't waste a snap, he doesn't waste a rep or any of those things. So I don't want to sit here and say, like, I don't think he can do it. I don't think he's a good running back. That's definitely not true. I think he is a D1 running back. Um, the fact is, I just don't know if he's a difference maker um, it, from I what I fair. have seen him. And I think that's where I'm kind of sitting. I think he could be a contributor, but there's a difference, like a kind of in, in contributing Brian Herian, and making. Perhaps that kind of guy. I don't even know. I don't even know if he's a Harrion level because Harrion was elusive and could do things out of the backfield, especially receiving. Harrion was powerful. He ran hard. But, but yeah, Dejan, I mean, Dejan just doesn't have the physical profile of the guys that we're used to seeing at Georgia in the backfield. Exactly. Like Brian Harrion, he had the, the wiggle. He, he could catch the ball out of the backfield. He could even run for tough yards. He could do it all, actually. And, I mean, I, I do think that Harry was a good saw back, I and mean, he wasn't a, like a game changer, but he, he did have some versatility. He had a skill set. There's really no doubt there. I think they – I mean, again, we haven't – it's a small sample size with Dejan, but I've, I've seen a guy that absolutely can catch the ball in the backfield at times. Again, hasn't had many opportunities, but he's done it. Uh, he's he's on the smaller – I mean, he's he's listed at 5'10", 200. Now, when you look at him out there, does he really look like that? I don't know. I mean, just when you look at him off the hoof, like getting off the bus, like he just doesn't look like the other George running backs. He doesn't look like Nick Chubb or Sonny Michelle or Todd Gurley or Zeus or Kendall Milton or James. He doesn't look like those guys. But, again, the fact is when he's gotten chances, he's been productive. So I think if pushed into a role, I think he could be productive. Now, is he going to be a lead back for us at any time in his career, Curtis? Probably not. <laughs> Right? Probably not, I would say. But I mean, if he's our, if he's our lead guy. back, we are in trouble. I would agree with that. I and, and that's no I'm not and I know obviously I guess that is a slight on him. I don't mean it that way, but just trying to be objective here, you know, just looking at this from a, Well, it's a, just like you know, Alabama just, fans when Brian Robinson was hurt and they thought Trey Sermon was good or Trey Sanders was gonna have to be the feature back while he was hurt. I mean, I don't think anyone was sitting there thinking like we're we're doing good. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that can come in there and give you a series, give you a couple of plays here and there. If there's some injuries, you feel comfortable with him going in there and being a solid back that can do some things. But you can't expect him to be like one of the reasons why you're winning a national championship. I think like when fair. Todd and Keith, like when Todd and Keith and all them got hurt, and we were relying on Brendan Douglas and JJ Green, we were in trouble. Yeah, both guys like in complementary roles, reserve roles, good players, right? Very valuable players. But when they're exactly. pushing, but they can use yeah, that they, Vanderbilt. They, 
Exactly. They can give you those snaps like you're talking about, like where you trust them to go in there, not fumble it or to pick up the pass, the pass rush and all those things. But you just don't want them to be the one you're having to rely on to carry the ball 20 times a game either. Yeah. And look, I hope he proves both of us wrong. I've been wrong before and I'll be wrong again. I hope to God I'm wrong. I just I just don't know if I've seen that yet, but I do think he can be a contributor um, in, in some way, shape or form. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Of course, I want to go back to quarterback. Now, I've had my say on quarterback on here. I know you haven't really had your say. I haven't really had a chance to address it. We were going to do this show like two weeks ago where you could address it in a more timely fashion, but, you know, news breaks and move the show back. But I want to give you your say on Stetson Bennett coming back. Um, I know you kind of touched on him when I first kind of posed this question to you about the offense and can we repeak in the offense, pick up the slack for the defense. I'll just ask you this. Is Stetson, the fact that Stetson Bennett came back for another season, is that a good thing for Georgia? Uh, <clears throat> I mean, I don't think it's bad. I think Stetson can, in, in the right circumstances, can succeed. As we saw, when you're not relying on him to throw the ball 30 times from behind. Yes, I know he threw the ball quite a bit against Michigan, against Alabama. People are pointing that. But the difference was we weren't in those 30 times where when we were playing Alabama the first two times and Stetson had to throw over 30 times, we were playing from behind. We were trying to catch up and try to score with him. And he's not going to be successful in that. As we've seen, the times we've asked him to throw it, to, to stay with someone, we're not doing that, but in a complimentary setting, I think he can succeed. Um, and so, I mean, at least he brings some stability there. He brings experience, all those things. Yes. But it still doesn't, it doesn't, I don't know if we have what it takes to be the team that's playing ahead, scoring all these points and keeping up with someone like we're going to have to, I know no one's going to – I still even our defense, I still don't think people are going to go and put 40, 50 points on us because, I mean, Kirby recruits to a standard, yes. But the fact is that think of all those times that Stetson may have made errors or something happened and we kind of got bailed out. I mean, even on that fumble or whatever, I don't – I truly am still confused. And that's the was. where you just dropped the ball? Exactly. And yeah. the fact is, yes, they scored a touchdown, but they had to, they had to work hard just to get that. Well, that play, um, been, is, so- that play that you're talking about where you're scrambling and drop the ball, actually, if you go back and watch, because I've rewatched now championship about 17 t- different times now, that should have been a touchdown. He should not have run the football. He had the, he had the safety off balance, 
we were we had him beat up the scene for a touchdown and he just inexplicably took off and ran it. I'm just like I, I mean we want it doesn't and, matter, but like oh my god, that was and a, it's things like oh my god, killer it's things like that where he doesn't you know sometimes doesn't make the right decisions. And I'm not gonna harm harp on all the you know of what I think of his deficiencies, but the fact is like he does a lot of things really right well. Now, we have to say that. Yeah, and a lot of it too is like we were saying is in the complimentary role. I mean, go back to when we first lost Alabama. Kirby was you know harping. It's not all the quarterback's fault. Like everyone else didn't do their part, and that's because Stetson is not a one man show. He's not going to go out and win you a game like a Bryce Young or someone. He's going to need the defense to step up. He's going to need everyone else to step up around him. And so I mean, it's good that we have the experience and everything, but to lead us to the promised land again without a great defense and all these things, especially with Alabama, what they have, the weapons they have, Bryce Young returning, and all these things. It's not. We don't have enough, or across the board. But he's proven opinion. he can lead a team to the national championship. You just don't think he can do it absent a a defense that was as dominant as ours was last year. Exactly. Like I said, he can do these things, and especially in a complimentary role, he can be successful. But we're not going to give him. He's not going to be able to rely on that this year. All right, well, let me ask you this: Do you the, do you think that Stetson is the presumptive starter going into twenty twenty two? Do you think it's going to actually be an open competition at quarterback, or is Stetson this is just his job? I think it comes with him being the presumptive starter going into the offseason. Now maybe Brock or someone transfers in and makes something else happen. But the fact is, I do believe he comes in as the presumptive starter. Or else I don't know if he actually can't comes back. I think because, he goes into I think he certainly goes into spring and maybe even to fall and certainly probably through fall camp. They're not gonna make a quarterback change during the spring. But I think he will go into fall camp through the spring as QB one, as a presumptive starter. My question for you though, Curtis, is do you really think because Kirby Smart puts a lot of lip service to competition at all positions, and he he's true to his word almost every position. Quarterback has always been the question mark is that whether that's true or not. Do you truly believe in your heart of hearts that Kirby Smart is going to open up this quarterback competition regardless of what Stetson did last year and give everyone on the roster, everyone in that room, an equal chance to win that job? No, I don't. Um, the fact is that I know people are talking about JT didn't win a job when it went – when he came back healthy and everything. But the fact is people are like, this is what Stetson had been doing the whole time. And you go back to when he, uh, get, um, what would Juan Mathis over Stetson Bennett at the time? I have to sit here and think, in my opinion, if they were giving equal reps and actually having a competition that I don't know how Juan could have been the starter, because what would he have showed that he, in those practices that he didn't sh- in the game? Well, apparently the word was back in, in those days that he was actually showing out in practice, but it obviously did not translate to the game. And, I, and the biggest thing too is Kirby's – we can say he hasn't and all these things, but he has kind of tied his wagon. He's hitched it to Stetson. Um, and I'm not saying he's going to – that just means – But Stetson do you think that's an always thing or is that just with the circumstances of 2021? See, I'm leaning, I lean more towards that being the circumstances of last year. I don't know. The fact is, if Stetson comes back and does all these things, do you see Kirby literally sitting there and saying, this guy won us a championship, did all these things, but, you know, he got beat out. I just, I, I would I would have to see it before I truly believe that Kirby would do that. Because he Kirby took on so much crap, dealt with so much crap from people. Because he thought to, that's what was, what was the best thing for us to win. I think Kirby wants to win. I think he's willing to do whatever it takes for us to win. Now, what he yeah, thinks but, is the best thing for us to win might not be, actually be the best thing, but I think he will do whatever he thinks is in the best interest of Georgia winning football games. Well, and first off, I don't exactly trust his judgment when it comes to quarterbacks. And, that, and, and that's fair. That's fair. I'm not, I'm not saying he's here's, just, the, here's saying, the thing also. Do what he if, someone, is the right if, thing someone, if someone was to beat Stetson out, I don't know if he replaces him game one. 
I don't know. I would think it would take potentially something happening in the game to where he has to bring him in and the other guy be better. Yeah, there's a part of me that believes that. Yeah, there's a That's part of me where that I'm at. Like, I don't think even if Brock went out there and played well, that he would straight up give Brock the job. Even well, if it was Brock- like Samford and not Oregon straight out of the gate, I think you'd be more likely to see that. But when and, and, and that's where I'm also at the fact that I don't think it could be an immediate change in the fat with, with the quarterback. And if it's not an immediate change, and Stetson has to falter at some point for there to be a change, exactly. And if that if that's the case, does that mean it was a true competition? No, I don't. I don't yeah. think that that can stand. You can say that and say it was a true open competition where Stetson wasn't a presumptive. Because Kirby has shown, you're right. He has shown that if the guy doesn't, whoever's at quarterback, I mean, whether think back to Kirby's think back to Kirby's first two years. Um, if Fromm was the guy to win it, why wasn't he a guy to start the season? And then the, the the year before that, you start the game with Grayson Lambert, but go with Jacob Eason most of the time. And it showed that Jacob Eason gave us the best chance to win in that game. Well, they're not through practice also. Yeah, fair. I think I'd also – yeah, that's that's a very fair point. I would say that maybe – you know, Kirby's a really young, new head coach then, didn't have quite the cachet that he has now. They can kind of throw around. I mean, I don't know if that – But, I, but now, now, now he has the cachet that he's won the championship. Now he can also sit here and say that, like, you can't challenge me. I've won it, so I know what's best. So he can also sit, sit on that. Like, he, he, he can go either way, though, like with what you're saying. Yeah, he could, he, could, he could definitely go that direction. I I tend to believe that there will be an open competition. I don't think Kerb gives lip service to that. I think that there will be what he perceives to be an open competition. However, for anyone other than Stetson to win that competition, I think they're going to have to be head and shoulders above better. They can't be equal or slightly better. It can't be like, well, you know, it's a tough choice here. It has to be an obvious choice. It has to be an obvious answer to everyone that brought Vandegrift or Carson Beck or Gunnar Stockton is just that much better than Stetson Bennett. I think that's what it will take. But, I mean, Curtis, am I off base there? Like, is, does that make sense to you? I mean, it makes sense, and that's kind of where I'm at, and that's what I said. Like, in, in that time period, does someone have the opportunity to be head and shoulders above him? I think and it's Kirby does get a premium on experience and just the fact that you've been out there, you've seen the bulls well, that's, flying. That's, like, that's why you have to be head and shoulders above because I think even if it was close, he's going to be like the experience is there. That's like a, a plus 10 bonus. Sure. Yeah. That's fair. Okay, let me get, okay so look, I, I don't necessarily – because I've been saying it all season long too, that this season, in this isolated 2021 season, Stetson was – a complimentary piece. He was not the feature piece of the offense. He was not the reason why we won. He was a part of why we won, but he was not the reason why we were winning games and we were moving the ball on offense. I think that's very fair. But Curtis, when you look at some of Stetson's metrics, that dude balled out. I mean, he was third in America in QBR. I mean, he was just behind Bryce Young, third in America. And he improved. And it's the other thing about Stetson, Curtis, and this is the wild card Stetson. We obviously know there are some physical limitations when you look at Stetson obviously just look at the guy we know that I think some of it's overplayed but I think I mean still to a degree there there are certainly admittedly some physical limitations there but I think Stetson absolutely a million percent improved from 2020 to 2021 and he did that without basically having any reps at all during spring I mean like meaningful reps during spring practice and fall camp really it really wasn't until we got into the season where he was getting those snaps and he still improved dramatically so he went from 55% completion in 2020 to 64 and a half last year, went from 7.6 yards per attempt to 10 yards per attempt, went from 128.7 quarterback rating to 176, went from a 78.6 QBR to 86.7. Curtis, by any measure, he took a pretty massive leap forward 
in 2021. Is there a world where he takes another leap forward in 2022, becomes a different kind of quarterback? Well, here's the thing. You talk about all these metrics, but I would love to see kind of where it is where he's playing from behind. The fact is all these metrics are where we're kind of in our comfort zone. We're not having to rely on that. We can have a wasted possession. Like all these things are all play action. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Play actions fitting the, you know, our defense is making is holding the one game is still a threat. Sure. And that's the biggest thing is when he's been in the setting where we're having to play from behind or you're having to play catch up. I have yet to see him be successful. Well, haven't been many opportunities for him to do that, to be honest. Yeah, and, and when you're right. When we've space a couple times, we, he's had a chance to. You're right. Fair. And and that's my biggest thing is when we're not when everything's not going our way, he has yet to show the perseverance in those tough situations. Hey, we, we did go down after I will give this uh, after the fumble, which was on uh, yes, him. He he, he, answered, he came back he and gunning and and gave us the lead there. Got to give him credit for that. He did, and I do agree, and I do agree that that was a big response, and we needed that. But the fact is, we weren't down 17, 7 or 14 like we were in the SEC Championship. We're down a point, true. We're down a point. I mean, think back to the SEC Championship game. Our, our defense bows their necks, and yet he couldn't make the play that when it needed to be made. I mean, yeah, against the, the two times against Bama, the first two times against Bama, yeah, 1,000%. I mean, that was what it was. We all saw it. But I thought he showed me something in that band. I know you're right. We were only down a point, so everything was still on the table. We still had, could run the football, play action, all that. But we came out gunning. We put we put the offense in his hands, that ensuing drive after we go down. And Bama converts that and goes ahead. We put it in his hands, and he delivered. He delivered. So, I, I mean, you got to give him credit there. Uh, but no, I mean, right. I give are- him a lot of credit. That was a, that was a great response. He had some big-time throws, even that one A.D. Mitchell. I know A.D. Mitchell made a great play. But the fact is he read the offsides and threw the ball up and gave the A.D. Mitchell a chance to make a play on the ball, which is all you can ask for, which sometimes we have struggled, no matter who the quarterback is, is just yeah. throwing a catchable ball. But the fact is that we have to see it on a more consistent basis. And that's, that's, and that's where I'm really happy. Because he has shown he can do it, yes, but the the, the situation is not always going to be perfect, like it has been for him. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. Um, I would say my last name on Stetson is here's kind of where I am. I don't think it's a how can it possibly be construed as a bad thing when well, you have a say, guy it's that not a bad a thing. Was it back not a bad thing other? It's not a bad thing other than the fact that wide receivers don't really want to play with him. Um, well, one, at least one that we know of. At least one that we know of. Well, yeah, but I think a lot of, even recruiting-wise, the offense that we that fit him best was not the re- offense that fit recruits best either. I it's mean, we can maybe sure. say it's... We it's also one of the reasons why we keep getting running back after running back after running back and offensive lineman after offensive lineman after offensive lineman. Yeah, know, but that's as we're seeing football. But as we're seeing football is also changing. If we don't have that defense like we had, we're not winning it with what we had offensively this past year. All right, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you right there because I just I'm gonna throw some numbers at you because this I'm not honestly curious to kind of I mean I was aware of some of these numbers but when I went, went and pulled them all I was kind of like wow that's not exactly what I thought so I think because on the surface I kind of agree with you like man our offense like we got to take another step forward if we're not going to be as great as we were on defense but I went back and looked at the numbers Curtis and I, and I knew that we were top five in yards per play but there were other categories that we were just higher than I thought offensively we were top twenty five in total yards but only top twenty five there because we don't we don't run up tempo we don't run a lot of plays that's I don't want to say it's an irrelevant stat and it's not as relevant but top five in yards per play we were actually almost a full half yard better than Alabama in yards per play so a full half yard more efficient than Alabama's offense was last year. We were top 10 in scoring offense. We were only three spots and 1.3 points per game behind Alabama was last year. 
We had the third-ranked S&P Plus offense last year. Again, only one spot behind that vaunted Alabama offense. So, Curtis, looking at those numbers, our offense was insanely productive. Like, I think you could say our offense was elite based on those numbers, but that's not the national perception of our offense. That's not the perception of our offense within the Georgia fan base. So, when you look at those numbers, Curtis, was our offense actually better than it got credit for last year? My response to that is, in those big games, our offense didn't do much. Think back to the Arkansas game. Our offense really didn't do much. Our defense carried a block punt. All these things happen. It's in the big games where the uh, everyone's looking that our offense always seems to not show up. I mean, okay, so I what mean, game do we not when show up? When you're taking – I guess the well, Alabama game think, and well, the I would love to see those stats if you take away some of the cupcakes and if we take away some of these ones where like Tennessee and all these numbers where we're putting up big numbers, take away those games and then the games that kind of matter the most, which is where our offense has struggled the most. Even Kirby in his history has struggled the most is winning the big game. Like when everyone's watching, you think back to that's when Kirby has kind of crapped the bed, even as a coach. Yeah, okay, I'm looking at Arkansas. I mean, Arkansas, you're right. I mean, fair. Arkansas, you're right. I mean, it was 345 yards. We got a big lead, so we kind of salt that away. But it was only 5.1 yards per attempt or, or per, per play, I should say. Um, Kentucky's got a really good defense. We're 8.9 yards per play against Kentucky. I think that was really good. Uh, let's see, obviously, Tech's terrible. Uh, Michigan, really good defense, 7.9 yards per, per play. So, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I think there were isolated cases where you say our offense wasn't elite and didn't have a great game. But I think throughout the season, our offense was really, really, really good and really productive. And I don't think it's crazy to think our offense can be even better next year. Because we talk about running back curse. Let's, and we talk about Stetson. Let's go to the wide receivers here. This is what has me excited. We had a lot of really young pass catchers this year, Curse, and, and most of them were hurt the vast majority of the year. How much better can we be helping Stetson at the wide receiver and tight end position this year than we were last year? I think we can be a lot better if we stop rotating so much. I think that's going to be one thing that we're going to definitely need to do. Uh, and I think the yeah. coaching philosophy change in that may help tremendously also. Yeah, I mean, and I'm interested to see now, because Todd Munkin was basically having to change the offense on the fly last year. And we'll see if Todd Munkin still stays our offense coordinator. Fingers crossed, knock on wood. Let's hope to God it happens. I've heard some things. We'll see what yeah, happens. I think, it help, I, think it helped, I think it helps that Leftwich did not get the Jacksonville job. I mean, it, yeah, that was the one I was, and that's actually what I had heard. Um, what I said a couple weeks ago that I, I'm hearing he might be moving else. What I was told is if Brian, Byron Leftwich gets that job, then look for Munkin to be the OC there. That didn't happen. So I was like, oh, maybe we'll hang on to him. But with a full offseason with Stetson as the guy curse, could our offense maybe just actually look different and function differently than what it was in season last year i don't know because if todd was able to change the offense to fit him in season then what the fact is what's he gonna do differently that was we had so much youth at receiver and so many injuries at that position hopefully that doesn't seem to be the case this year well, we hope not. I mean, I'm not going to get ahead of ourselves because we yeah, have I mean, thought that. But, I mean, if you look at it going into the season right now, it looks like you're going to have A.D. Mitchell back. You have Lad McConkie back. Kyrus Jackson back fully healthy. Again, hopefully, Marcus Rosemey Jackson ain't back healthy. Arian Smith back healthy. Uh, right now, it's looking, it's trending as though Arik Gilbert's going to be back with the team. You got Brock Bowers right now. Darnell Washington has not decided to transfer. So right now, at least like as far as we know, he's going to be on the team. And you you add some guys in there like Oscar Delp at tight end, who I think is going to be a monster for us. I think. Just from a skill position standpoint, the weapons around Stetson, I think it's going to be a different story. I think just by that alone, we could be better offensively. I mean, is is, is are you with me on that, or am I just kind of looking at this I am, my and I get that, glasses? But like we talked about the one thing that is, I don't know how we're going to be if we have to go to a true passing attack with Stetson. You talked about a lot of the success came from play action. Well, there's no given really right now that our run game is going to be any more successful than it was. 
And I, I think, think offensive line actually be better. I really do. I think our offensive line will be better. I yeah, the offensive line, but that doesn't mean the receivers or the running backs right away. You know, we've already touched on the the running backs yeah. how they could be better, but we don't know. And if our run game is not there, how are we going to be? Because I mean, sure, the run game has to be there, but I think our, I, I'm a believer in the guys that we have, and even if they're not better, I think even if they're worse, it's no, they're not going to be significantly. It's not going to be a significant downgrade to what we had last year. I just don't believe it will be. And you, you, you know, you banged on Justin Schaefer's entire career, justifiably. So I'll give you credit on that. we talked about Warren Erickson all year, how he just wasn't a fit at guard. Those guys are gone and you bring in more highly rated guys. You're going to have a Marius Mims going to factor in the conversation. You got Roger Jones, who is going to be awesome for us at left tackle. I, and I mean, Jamar Sire was fantastic. Don't get me wrong. Cedric Van Pran's going to be another year older, another year more experienced at center. I expect our offensive line to be better next year. So I, I and if I they are that, that if they are, that's gonna help us a lot too, because I think that's gonna help with Stetson. Stetson's 100%. Not, he is he struggles. I mean, yeah, we talk about his his legs and things like that, but it still doesn't change the fact that he struggles in blitz pressures because he or in blitz packages because he doesn't see the field well. He locks in on people very quickly. He also struggles when when defenses show one look and change coverage post snap, and that's something he's got to continue to work on, which and I think he will in more time. What I was about to say, you're also hoping now that he, you're, you know, we're thinking he, going into the year, he's going to see a lot more reps and practice that he can also continue to improve in that aspect. Also, exactly. yes, exactly, exactly. I just think, I honestly, I think everyone around Stetson is going to be better next year. I know we lose Jermaine Burton. People are up in arms about that guy, Curtis. 450 yards. That's that's basically what Jermaine Burton was good for each of his first two seasons. Do we not have somebody that can give us 450 yards out there? I mean, come on. Yes. We I do. think we do. I think we have someone that can do that with a better attitude also. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I would I would prefer Jermaine Burton to still be on our roster. I think he's a talented player. But the fact is, he gave us 450 yards, essentially 450 yards each of his first two years. We have guys that can do that. I'm sorry. We just do. So, I, I mean, whatever. It's fine. I, I truly believe receiver, offensive line, running back, I think is a wash at worst. I think we're better around Stetson, and I think that's going to help him. And as you mentioned, him giving more time to an actual for the first time in his career, an entire offseason to be the guy if he does indeed end up holding off the young guns. I think offensively, I expect us to be better next year. I do. And we were also, again, I look at those numbers. We were really, really productive, borderline elite, if you look at the metrics, last year. So I think our offense can be good this year, Curse, and even better than it was last what, year. Here's my, here's my last thing. I have to see it to believe it with Kirby in his history also. And that is, we always and say I he can't wants, you for he that. Wants, we will say he wants to make this change. And you're talking about how like we still have this elite offense that can also be like, well, we played his type of football, especially when we change our stats and we, we had these elite numbers. What's the point in changing? And that's, that's something that we'll have to see. And I don't, I, I can't fault you for, for that viewpoint and, and that perspective at all. I can't. You're a podcast listener and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. But okay, Curtis, so all this talk, we spent a lot of time, more time than I thought we would on the offense, but that's okay. But all this talk about how much can the offense improve from last season, how much slack can it pick up 
All that hinges on this prevailing notion that our defense won't be as dominant in 2022 as it was in 2021, and it won't be that rock that we were able to lean on en route to a national championship. But Curtis, how much do you agree with that prevailing notion? Is it as obvious as as it seems that we're just not going to be that kind of defense? What's your take on that? I think it is obvious. We're going to be a good defense, but our front seven is nowhere near going to be what it was last year. Yes, we have Jalen Carter returning, but outside of that, our front seven is not going to be what they were. And I think that was the difference maker for us last year is the amount of pressure we were actually able to create, which we hadn't been able to in the past. And now, yes, we have a lot of young guys who are talented, but it's a lot of unproven talent. And we've always said, you know, we'll take talent over experience. But the fact is last, especially this past year, we had talent and experience together. We, but how many of those pass rush, those guys that were creating havoc in the backfield? You're right. How many of those guys are creating havoc that we actually lose? I mean, Jordan Davis, yes, he, he's a beast for us. I, I talked to him up all season, but he wasn't really one of those guys that was was creating havoc with the quarterback. I mean, I would say Devontae Wyatt, Trayvon Walker, well, those guys. We, have, we would have we would have Devontae Wyatt, Trayvon Walker, and Jalen Carter out there in passing situations. We have one of those three returning. Yeah. Then, then do we have two? Do we have two other guys that can pl- replace? the ones that we've lost that are at that level of that talent and experience. No, especially even a Trevon Walker, especially. And I think Devontae Wyatt was vastly underrated for what he could provide. Devontae Wyatt's going to be a first round draft pick. I, I, I said it during the season and it's, it's showing right now. He's going to be a first round draft pick. He's awesome. He was, he was fantastic for us. Yeah, that, that is a tough loss. Jalen Carter, I would argue though, was the best defensive lineman on our roster last year. Well, yeah. And, and I'm not, and I'm, I'm not going to argue with that, but the fact is when you, have only one of those three is easier to block sure than it is when you have three of those guys coming at you and my, my biggest honestly curse my biggest concern is will we be as strong against the run because that was the key to everything for us we were able to play a too high safety look almost invariably game in and game out because we could stop the run with our front six every single game it did not matter who you were and how good your your offensive line was your running backs were it didn't matter we were able to stop you that helped our pass defense significantly and jordan davis was the key to that that's why i was coming in for the heisman because he was the key to everything that this historic georgia defense did he is not there curtis how big of a loss is that going into 2022 it's a huge loss i mean he just opened everything up. He made our linebackers better. He made the front seven better. I mean, the the defense line. He made everyone better, and it was he was the cog that did. I think back to his freshman year, our defense was struggling, and we were good, yep. but we were not elite. And then he steps in as a young gun who wasn't even. I think it was the Tennessee game. We got his first significant action. It was like a different story right away. Yeah, and then you see him going into the LSU game. Now they tired him out, yes, but the fact is when he was in there, he was a complete difference maker. And the fact is we're kind of back to where we were before him. Now we may have some young guys, especially Bear Alexander or someone else that may be able to step in and do it, but the fact is Jordan Davis just did it at such a high level. I think that's – and Kirby's 3-4 scheme, I don't know if he's ever had a nose guard. Going back to the Terrence Cody days and all those people, that was such a difference maker as Jordan Davis was. Cody could never move like Jordan. Jordan's the best. I mean, Jordan's just a, he's a freak, man. Like they just don't make guys like that. They're that big, that strong, that powerful and can move the way he doesn't has the motor that he does. And, it, and obviously in the personality too, what a guy, what a dude going to miss him. Um, he, He's just rare. Like he's a unicorn, man. And like, do we have a guy? I mean, you mentioned Bear Alexander. He's had shoulder surgery. He's a freshman. He's not going to be that guy year one. Do we like, who is it going to be? Curtis? I don't know if we have that guy on our roster right now. I don't think we do. And that's where I'm at. 
Yeah. And so that can, and so for me, defensively, that is my biggest concern. A lot of those losses, I think that we can replace. I mean, Devontae Wyatt was a beast for us and it, I obviously it's going to suck to lose him, but I, I mean, I like some of the guys that we have behind him. I, I thought Lowe did a really good job. Uh, I think Stackhouse can be a pretty good player for us. I'm interested to see what Tyranny and Dawkins can do. I think he has that kind of, uh, that kind of athleticism up front, but I mean, it's just gonna be hard to replace a guy like that. But I will say having a guy like Jalen Carter back, who I think was the best defensive lineman just in terms of like long-term potential. Having him back is a great starting point. Curtis also gets the two outside linebackers. You've got obviously Nolan Smith who played 50% of our defensive snaps last year and Robert Beal both deciding to come back. How big is it to get both of those pass rushers back or the, at least those edge players back? It's really big, but the thing that helped them out the most was the inside linebackers. Think of it, the blitzing that we were able to get from Nakobe and Channing that kind of would force them out of the pocket, which allowed our outside linebackers to be successful in cleaning it up. Um, our outside linebackers weren't the ones pushing them up in the pocket as much as they were the ones benefiting from our rush up the middle, making them leave the pocket. And that's going to be where we're going to have to really make a difference. And I mean, no, it's, it's huge to have them. Sports, in it's it's going to be huge in the run game, especially on the edge. But the fact is we're, it, they're still going to be good. But the fact is it was everyone, you know, we talk about complimentary with Stetson, but the fact is the entire defense was complimentary. Everyone brought something to the table that allowed others to succeed. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a really cool way to look at it. I think getting Nolan Smith back and Robert Beal back is huge. Because we talked about all offseason, Curtis, or all during the season. We have no depth in that position, none. And if, if those guys are gone, we're going to be re- absolutely relying on true freshmen. Now with those guys coming back, we have them for 2022. And those young guys, Marvin Jones Jr., those kind of guys, they're going to, Darius Smith potentially, are going to have a chance to actually grow into the position and become more experienced and get some reps and get better and grow. And then they can hit the ground running in 2023. I think that's huge for us on multiple fronts. And they were just so productive for us. Nolan was incredible for us all season long. But I just don't think this defense is going to take as much of a, as much of a step back as everyone thinks. It will be the 2021 version. No, I don't think so. I think Jordan Davis's loss is huge. The inside linebackers losing those guys. We have, of course, we have no experience in that position. When you lose Chain Tindall, Nicobe Dean, Quay Walker, guys, that could all, I mean, at least two of them can be first round picks. Who do you expect to be the guys at inside linebacker for us? I mean, that's a completely open competition. Yeah, you'll, I mean, you'll probably see, um, in, um, I guess, I mean, Ryan Davis, Treslin Marshall, Smale Mondin, Jason, Jamon, Davis, Johnson. Yeah, Jamon, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. That JDJ will probably be the, the first guy off the, on the field. I don't, and it'll be the question of who's with him. Um, Jamon Dumas Johnson, it's it, he's going to play for sure. I think Smile Mon is probably going to be a leader of the clubhouse. Ryan Davis, another guy that I think is really talented, has that trouble staying healthy. Tristan Marshall was out all year with the injury, so they're both going to be coming back off the injury. So I think Smile Mondin and Dumas Johnson are going to be the two leaders in the clubhouse. Uh, watch out for Jalen Walker too. True freshman, that guy is going to be the next great Georgia linebacker. I'm telling you, I'm I'm pumped for him. Uh, what about secondary, Curtis? What's your feel? I mean, we're obviously losing Kendrick. We're losing Lewis Cena. Oh, feel I feel about? really good. I mean, it'll it'll hurt to lose Kendrick, but the fact is, Ringo will kind of be better prepared to step into that role and the question will be who will be there opposite him but in the back end i feel really confident with tyke smith um chris christopher smith um dan jackson might even be a presumptive star coming to the coming at least coming into spring camp he might be i'm really excited about david daniel people like that who were also in the system last year coming back Poole came back. He played well, at least in the Alabama game. I thought the Michigan game, he played well. Yeah. So he'll be back there. So- and the D- DBs is where I feel the best right now. Um, we, I mean, we brought in another great recruiting class. We have people like Nyland Green to step up. So I'm, I'm not worried as much back there, especially with all the coaches we have with Muschamp, Kirby. But it's the front seven that's going to be the ones that's wor- – it's not worrisome, but you have to be cautious over where it could cause a step back, but not a huge step back, but a tiptoe back. 
Yeah, it's certainly what we leaned on all season long. But Curtis, I would argue, I mean, maybe outside of Alabama, but they're losing a lot of guys on defense too. Obviously, they get Will Anderson back, and that's huge for them. That's massive. You get Henry Toto coming back. So they're going to be really good on defense this year as well. They were really good last year. But outside of Alabama, I think we're in better position defensively than really anyone in the country. And we'll see how it all plays out next year. But on paper, moving into 2022, I think you have to say Georgia is, is in as good a position defensively as just about anyone. I mean, I know that we're losing a lot of people, and that and that's crazy to say. Georgia's still in a really good position, although we're losing Nicobe Dean and Quay Walker and Channing Tindall and Jordan Davis and Devontae White and Trayvon Walker. Heck, we might have three defensive linemen going the first round, and here I am sitting here telling you, hey, you know what? I still think we're going to be as, in as good a shape as anyone in the country coming into 2022 on the defensive side of the ball, and I, I believe that. I mean, look, we, st- we still have, as we mentioned, Nolan Smith coming back, Robert Beal, our top two edge rushers. You've still got Jalen Carter, who I believe was the top defensive lineman on our defensive line last year. Yes, he was the underclassman, didn't quite play as much as some of those guys, but played a lot. And when he was in the game, he made a flat-out impact. He was a nightmare for opposing offenses to handle. They simply couldn't handle the guy. I like Zion Logan a lot. I thought he really showed a lot, especially in the season. He played almost 25% of our our defensive snaps last year, guys. I don't think a lot of people realize that. He played about as much as Jalen Carter played as, as a true freshman last year. I know he's a little bit older, but I think he's a guy that could be primed for a big jump for us. Warren Brinson played a fair amount, uh, and I, I, I saw some things I really liked from him. It does, it, it does hurt to kind of lose that three-headed monster, Devontae Wyatt, Jalen Carter, and Jordan Davis. And it will look different. We're going to have to operate differently because we're not going to have that massive beast of a space eater on the interior. And again, that is my biggest concern this team is I don't think we have a guy on the roster right now to replace him, but it doesn't mean that we still can't be productive, especially on that defensive front. Uh, losing Trevon Walker, the five tech is going to hurt, but I am big, big, big on Michael Williams, who's going to be a true freshman. And I know that can be scary. And it's tough to make predictions about true freshmen and say, hey, this guy is going to be an instant impact type guy, especially when you're talking about the trenches. That's a really tough prediction to make, but I truly believe that Michael Williams has the opportunity to be a difference maker for us in year one at that five tech. I, be- I think that highly of him. I also saw some good things from Marlon Dean. I know that it was in a, a very small sample size, but I think with another year in the system, he is he's a guy that could potentially really grow into somebody who can be a major contributor at the five tech. So no, will we be as good as we were on the Demons Vine last year? No. I mean that that would be a little crazy to say. But again, relative to the rest of the country, who's in a better situation? along their defensive front than we are. I, if you, Especially if you include edge rushers with, with Nolan Smith coming back, former number one overall recruit in the country. I, I would have a hard time saying there's many teams out there, maybe a small handful, but not many. Now, inside linebacker, as we mentioned, they're going to have to, we're, we're going to have to battle it out. We're going to see who that's going to be. I'm sure there'll be some sort of rotation there, but I think we have some really, really talented options that just have been behind incredibly talented players. Guys, I mean, we could have a, I, I think we could have two potentially two first round draft picks at inside linebacker. So it's not that our the guys sitting behind them were good, but you're sitting behind first round draft picks. That that's just the situation that they were in. It doesn't mean that they can't play. I think we're gonna see it this year that we have some guys that were sitting behind Nicobe Dean and Quay Walker and Chain Tindall that can absolutely play some football. And then at safety. I feel good there, obviously, with Chris Smith coming back. We're also in a situation where I know that he's not the guy that started this season last year as as a starting safety, but he played a lot for us. Dan Jackson, guys, played 
almost 50% of our defensive snaps last year. He played 46% of our defensive snaps. He played a lot of football for us, and he did a really good job for the most part. So he's going to, at the very least, be a really nice depth piece there. Then you've got uh, potentially guys like Tyke Smith could get, could get a look at safety. Also, he probably cross-chain there and at the star position, which is what we initially were bringing him into play. Uh, I really like what I saw from David Daniel. I think he's going to factor in there. At cornerback, we have a ton of young talent. Yes, it's really young, but Kamari Lasseter, Javon Bullard, and then the incoming freshman in this class, Jaheim Singletary, Dalen Everett, Humphrey. All these guys are going to be in the thick of that competition, and they're going to compete. And I feel really good that we're going to get somebody that's going to be a really high-level player that's going to come out of that competition starting opposite Keely Ringo. Oh, and by the way, Kirby Smart is still our head coach, who is as good of a defense of mine as there is in the country. Will Muschamp, another incredible defense of mine. Glenn Schumann, an up-and-coming superstar for defense of mine. Those guys are still here on our staff. They aren't going anywhere. So when you put it all together, you mix it up, it, I think it's fair to say it won't be as dominant, especially right away as the defense that we saw in 2021. Because, guys, that was an historic-level defense. That's just what that was. But it doesn't mean that we still aren't going to have one of the top defenses in the country and a defense that can absolutely give us opportunities game in and game out to win football games. I fully expect that with the talent that we have coming back, the guys that we've recruited, and the coaches we have on staff. But all right, guys, that is it. That does it for us here today. Curse has got to get out of here, so we're going to wrap things up. Obviously, again, this is a way too early primer for the 2022 season, we're going to go into a lot more detail multiple times with all these things we talked about today. The quarterback position, running back, receiver, defensive line, linebackers, secondary, all of it, guys. This is just a first little taste of what we're going to have for you guys all offseason long. But thank you guys for listening. You know we always appreciate it. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>